You will never overcome your love of sin until you love Jesus Christ more than your sin. And secondly, you cannot love Jesus Christ without spending quality time with Him. As I have said many times, Christianity is not about being religious, it's about being in relationship. For the man struggling to be free from sexual sin, the world around us is a difficult place to be. Billboards, television, magazines, and the internet are barraging us with images that draw the eye and entice the heart. And if a man is used to caving into these temptations, how can he find the strength to resist the allure and keep a pure heart and mind? As we talked about in our last episode, scripture plays a huge part in this, but there is another vital part to living in freedom. This week, we'll look at how time spent in prayer transforms us into the image of Christ and gives us the strength we need, his strength, to resist temptation. To win the battle of temptation, you must have a prayer life. You're listening to Purity for Life. It is really easy to buy into the lie that pornography and sexual sin aren't that big of a deal. I'm not hurting anyone, the porn user tells himself. But he fails to see the spiritual danger of sitting in church on Sunday morning and then giving his heart to pornography during the week. But his inability to perceive the damage being done to his own soul is the most perilous part of being involved with pornography. In this segment from our YouTube series, 20 Truths That Helped Me in My Battle with Porn Addiction, Pastor Steve Gallagher talks about the spiritual rot that sets into our souls when we spend time in the darkness of pornography, and then shares with us the profound cure, opening ourselves to the cleansing presence of Jesus through daily prayer. Okay, truth number 15. To overcome temptation, you must have a prayer life. In this segment, I want to talk about the crucial role prayer plays in overcoming habitual sexual sin. So let me begin with this twofold statement. You will never overcome your love of sin until you love Jesus Christ more than your sin. And secondly, you cannot love Jesus Christ without spending quality time with him. As I have said many times, Christianity is not about being religious, it's about being in relationship. And to be in a relationship with another person requires ongoing communication. But there's something very awesome about spending time in the presence of the Lord. His manifest presence leaves an indelible impression upon a person's soul. Before we explore that wonderful thought, let's first look at the reverse of that dynamic. When you spend time in pornography, it leaves you with a nasty, slimy spirit. You don't just walk away from such an encounter with a demon without being deeply impacted by it. Every time you wallow in the filth of pornography, your soul is left with the contaminating effects of gross sensuality. And what does that mean practically speaking? Those images are seared into your memory. 
The notion that sex is the most important thing in life is reinforced in your heart, and lust for the bodies of other people controls your thinking. I could add plenty of other consequences here, but I think you get the point. Subjecting yourself to the dark atmosphere of pornography is deeply corrupting. Now, compare that with spending time with the Lord in prayer and worship. Here, too, your heart is open to spiritual influence. It should go without saying that when you love someone, you want to be with them. Prayer is the means God has graciously provided to his people to spend time with him. In John 14, Jesus said, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. That statement just might be the most accurate definition in Scripture of what it means to be in a saving relationship with the Lord. But it also touches on the vital element of how His presence affects us. Jesus said, and I will love Him and manifest myself to Him. That word manifest in the Greek means to make something real to a person. Wow, what a thought! The Lord will reveal Himself and make His great love real to the person who loves Him. Let me put it this way. When you spend time in the presence of God, an impression of His character is pressed into your soul. So instead of needing to deal with vile images in your mind, you're left with a beautiful memory. And instead of the lingering lie that illicit sex is important in life, you're left with the very real sense that the things of God are what's important. And instead of walking away from the experience with a heart full of lust, you walk away with a heart full of love for God and other people. And it's that love for God that defeats the love of sin. All right, so let's consider the practical side of why prayer is so vital to overcoming habitual sin. If you let your lower nature have its way, it's always going to give over to lust. So you must learn to live above that carnal level. In Galatians 5, Paul said, If you walk in the Spirit, you will not carry out the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. Do you believe that? Well, I can tell you from many years of experience that it is an absolutely true statement. You can go to support group meetings. You can visit a psychologist every week. You can go to a world-famous sexual addiction clinic. But if you're going to win the battle with lust, you're eventually going to have to know what it means to walk in the Spirit. Let me illustrate it this way. Let's say some on-fire believers run a Christian coffee shop downtown that they open up every Friday and Saturday night. They call it the Upper Room. It's in a sleazy part of town, just the kind of place where you can reach sinners. In fact, an adult bookstore is right underneath it on the first floor. It's a foul place, and if we could see into the spiritual realm, we would be appalled and terrified at what lurks in that place. So every weekend, these dear saints go out on the street and invite people to come up for a cup of coffee to discuss spiritual things. And the atmosphere in there is just wonderful. There's godly music playing in the background. Over in the corner, a brother is earnestly sharing the Lord with someone. You can just really feel the presence of the Lord in that place. 
That's a picture of the atmosphere in a person's heart who regularly spends time with the Lord. And you know what? When you're in the presence of God, it's easier to do right than to do wrong. But if you descend down those stairs and go into the atmosphere of that sleazy bookstore, suddenly everything's different. Now you're in the devil's territory. Those two locations are a good illustration of what we do in life. If you're truly a child of God, you're a temple for the Holy Spirit to live in. You maintain His presence in your life and in your heart by spending time in prayer every morning. As you do that, you'll find that your desires begin to change. You'll want to do the right thing, and you'll be drawn to living a pure life. But if you don't spend time being affected by His presence, you're just on your own, and you won't have the wherewithal to fight against the desires of your flesh. That exactly describes what happened in my life. Towards the end of 1984, the Lord somehow made it clear to Kathy and me that we needed to start spending time in prayer and in His Word every morning. I can remember it being so hard to pray. Five minutes felt like five hours. But we knew the Lord put it in our hearts to do this, so we pushed through the difficulty of those early days. Of course, over time it became easier and easier until eventually it became second nature to be with the Lord in the morning. In fact, it wasn't long before I was spending a half hour in prayer and a half hour in Bible study. Then in 1986, the Lord spoke very clearly to me one night in a church service. In my spirit, I heard Him say very clearly, double your time with me. And so I did. From that morning on, with rare exceptions, I have spent a minimum of two hours with the Lord every morning. No matter how tired I might be, how busy I might be, or how many distractions there might be, I have stayed faithful to that time with the Lord all these many years. And that prayer life is one of the biggest factors in why my life changed from one of constant defeat and failure to one of continuous victory. The Apostle Paul made it clear in Galatians 5 that the Spirit of God and a person's carnal nature are constantly battling over his heart. I can just tell you this, if you want to have a victory over habitual sin, you must fight to stay in the Spirit and you must fight to stay out of the flesh. It really is that simple. That you need to establish a connection with Jesus through prayer is an easy thing to say. But many of you probably know from experience that it is not an easy thing to do. Did you know that almost 70% of smartphone users check their phones within five minutes of waking up? It requires an incredible amount of patience and determination to break old habits, separate ourselves from the distractions around us, and make time to meet with God. Thankfully, we serve an incredibly powerful God who will help us to build that patience and determination that we need. I sat down with Pastor Steve and one of our former residential program counselors to discuss some practical helps to make sure that we get that time with God that we need. You know what a great piece of advice is? Go to the ridge. That is TJ McCauley, a counselor for the Pure Life Ministries program. Our campus sits atop one of Northern Kentucky's many picturesque ridges, and it has plenty of spots to get alone with God. 
And that's what the phrase, go to the ridge, signifies, getting alone with God in prayer. And while the other counselors may not say those exact words, maintaining a vibrant prayer life is foundational counsel here at Pure Life Ministries. Pastor Steve, in today's segment, what I'm looking for is for you guys to give people sort of a tutorial on developing a prayer life. But before we go there, I want to get into why it is that we would teach that prayer is essential to finding victory over sexual sin. Well, when you think about what sexual sin is, it is an ongoing spiritual defeat. The only way you can win a battle spiritually is to be strong in the Lord. And the only way to be strong in the Lord is to be connected to the Lord. You can't just take this haphazard mindset uh, and just, you know, I'll just say a little prayer here and there on my way to work or whatever. That, That does not connect you with God. You have to have a solid connection with the Lord every day if you're going to want his power there available for you when the temptations come. And I can tell you this from many years of experience at this, Nate, Uh, For instance, all the guys that I've run into down through the years who have graduated our program, who has gone back into sin or you see they're struggling or whatever, every single one of them, I've asked them, how is your prayer life? And every one of them has admitted that they let their prayer life go. And that's no coincidence. When your prayer life goes, your victory goes. That's just the way it is. Jamal, let me turn to you. I know that one of the first things that you counselors here do when men come into the live-in program is you let them know that they're going to be expected to spend 15 minutes in prayer each day. And I'll bet that that could be quite a challenge for a man who's never established that daily prayer life. What are some of the struggles that your guys express to you when they're first starting that prayer life? Well, Nate, to be brutally honest with you, most of them come and they're tired. They're exhausted. They have a full schedule from pretty much 4 o'clock in the morning to maybe 10 at night. So a lot of times they just feel like they don't have the energy. Uh, Sometimes they feel like they're rushed or they feel like they can't connect due to a lack of concentration. And pretty much lastly, location, you know, not really having a place or feel like they don't have that wherewithal to connect. They want to find a place to kind of get in that space, you know, to have that prayer time so that they feel like they're engaging with the Lord. Well, maybe we could talk about those things that you just mentioned, Jamal, and deal with some practical application or some practical advice to give to people who may be in the same situation that you're describing. Let's start off with someone who just feels tired. How would you advise them to uh, proceed? I would say get in rest. Um, To be honest, one of the more practical things to do is to get to bed on time to give yourself at least five to seven hours of sleep so that way you can get up at the same time every day. You're going to have to develop the habit of getting your body on a clock. That way your body starts to look forward to getting up. It takes about two to three weeks to kind of get your body in that mode. And that's one of the most practical things to do. Like when that alarm goes off, get up. You know, if you don't get up, you're just bound to just kind of lay there and your body develops a habit of laziness. You train your body, you know, either to be lazy or you train your body to be disciplined. And you can train your body to be disciplined by waking up at the same time every day. What about the struggle that guys say, well, I just can't concentrate? I know for some people that feels like an incredible mountain to overcome. Just doesn't seem like you can will yourself to concentrate. What about that? A lot of times I encourage guys to take a walk and pray. Um, I tell each of the guys, your mind has to shut up to hear what your mouth has to say. So if you pray out loud, a lot of times it breaks up, 
you know, just the monotony. And it also breaks up uh, just the onslaught of thoughts that tend to come, you know, when you're trying to pray and when you're trying to read the word. Praying out loud and reading out loud is a great way just to engage the Lord. Hmm. Pastor Steve, what about the feeling like I'm just not connecting? I'm just talking to myself. I'll just add one little thing onto what Jamal said for waking up. I've been doing the same thing for 30-some years, and that is get up, have a cup of coffee, spend an hour or two in the Word, and then when I go to pray, I'm awake, and my mind has already been engaged in the Word of God for a good amount of time. So uh, when I start praying, the faith is there. You know, faith comes from where? From hearing the Word of God. So when we're spending time studying— and then we go to talk to God, you've already established that connection with him, and then it makes prayer easier for you. And what about just the question of, I'm not sure where I can find the time or the space. I'm thinking about a married guy. He's got, he's got a wife. He's got three kids. He doesn't have a huge house. What about finding just that space to be alone? Well, for myself, I have a very difficult time really connecting with the Lord if I'm not in movement. I don't know why that is. If I'm just sitting still trying to pray, it's just hard for me. So I walk. And no matter where I'm at in the country, the world even, you know, I am doing the same thing every morning. And for all these years, I've gone walk through snowstorms, everything you can imagine. Um, so for other people who don't feel comfortable walking and praying, you've just got to— Make a place in your house. It's got to be a priority. If you're desperate to be free and to live the Christian life, you have got to have a connection with God. And so then it does become non-negotiable. And if it's non-negotiable, you're going to make it happen. And if you don't have that conviction inside you, um, then you have to pray and ask God for it. But it does require, as Jamal already said, it requires self-discipline. You've got to go against your flesh and get this thing established. And then once it's established, it becomes pretty easy. What kind of spiritual blessings have you gained from your prayer time over the years? 30 years of freedom, number one. This addiction that was just had a stranglehold on my life was broken. And that happened within weeks of getting a daily time with God established. So I know that was a major part of what uh, constituted my freedom. And then my life in God all these years, I mean, to me, that's the bigger issue by far, is I have a real relationship, a real life in God. I know him. He's my friend. He's my father. There is a relationship there. It's not just living rules and regulations and, and this moral life or something. He is a person. And that's what a prayer life establishes for you. As we develop a prayer life, one thing that becomes clear is that prayer was not given to us to be used exclusively for our own needs. Maybe you're listening to this episode and you're thinking about a friend or a loved one that is struggling with sexual addiction. We want to encourage you, don't give up in your prayers for them. In this interview from our archives, Mike Johnston and Brad Fergus discuss how our prayers go forth into God's presence as a forerunner of his merciful answers. Brad, as always, it's great to see you. Thanks for spending some time with us today. 
Glad to be here, Mike. Good to see you too. Brad, we are going to delve a little bit into our dear brother Spurgeon's commentary today. He commented on a passage in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36, 37, that says, Thus saith the Lord God, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. And of course, he's talking about prayer here. I know one of the things that we often talk to the men about that come into the Living Program in our chapel is that prayer is what brought them to Pure Life Ministries. Yeah, and um, Spurgeon says here, prayer is the forerunner of mercy. Turn to sacred history and you will find that scarcely ever did a great mercy come to this world unheralded by supplication. Mm. You have found this true in your own personal experience. God has given you many an unsolicited favor, but still great prayer has always been the prelude of great mercy with you. And that is so true. It sure um, is. Years before I came to Pure Life Ministries, my mother was interceding and praying and holding on to promises in God's Word for me and my siblings, but especially me at the time because I was in such darkness and sin and just totally away from God. Her constant prayers, I truly believe, kept me from plummeting you yeah. know, off the edge of a cliff. Yeah, I was going to say, I could say the same. I know my mother prayed constantly for me, and I had the great joy of knowing that I didn't know it at the time, but the staff at Pure Life Ministries was praying right. for me too because they knew the condition I was in. Yeah. Uh, and I have no doubt that prayer got me here. Mike, since I've been at Pure Life Ministries, I would say all of us who've come probably have been prayed in because mm-hmm. of all the prayer that we do here about yes. people we don't even know. Yes. You know, And a uh, dear brother shared with me many years ago when sometimes you pray and you kind of can get in a routine and feel like you're just praying. But if you're doing it from your heart, God hears those prayers. Mm-hmm. And you're praying for someone to be set free somewhere on planet Earth. Yes. God is responding to our prayers. You know, it's like he says, they're praying mm-hmm. here at Pure Life Ministries or wherever a person may be. Yeah. I want to answer that prayer. And we may never know yes. until we get to eternity, but God does answer prayer. Part of the joy in praying and then getting your prayer answered is just seeing the fruit of an answered prayer, yeah. you know, just talking with you. I've forgotten how you came here and how we yeah. did pray, but yeah, we did pray for Mike and God did answer. And Amen. wow, you know, it's awesome to see the Lord answer prayer that way. But Amen. instead of us being shocked, we should expect because God true. answers prayer. That's you know, true. of course, give him praise nonetheless, but expect the Lord to answer prayers that are prayed according to his will. Yeah, we are so often surprised, aren't we? We really shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. I know there's been many individuals in my life that I've been in sin with, and I don't try to contact those people, nor should people do that if you're listening, but I do pray for them, believing that God is hearing those prayers. And somehow, behind the veil, that prayer is impacting things in heaven. And I realize that I may be the only person in the whole planet praying for some of those people. Right. You bring that up. I have a buddy, before I came to Pure Life Ministries, it's hard to say because we were in sin, we were running buddies, but he was still a buddy. Right. And I don't know where he is or what he's doing. I remember us having talks many years, and I would say, this is only a phase. I know God's going to set me free. I remember telling him that. Mm-hmm. And he laughed and, you know, was like, okay, whatever. You know, I often think of him. Where is he at? And I just say, Lord, wherever he's at, if he's still living, yeah, please come to him, Lord. Please set him free. You know, Lord, I would love to run into him somewhere and share with him and say, God really did set me free, and he can set you free. 
Yeah. But I believe it's just what you're saying that the least we could do is pray for those from our past that God places on our hearts. Because like you said, we may be the only ones praying for them. Yeah. You know, I believe, Brad, that one day we're going to stand in heaven with the Lord and there are going to be people who come up to those who interceded for others and they're going to thank them. Right. Thank you for praying for me. Yeah. And how wonderful <laughs> that is going to be. That'd be awesome. And like, of course, all the glory goes to the Lord because yeah. he put it on their heart to do it. I share that with people sometimes too. And we'll be looking like, but I was in it that day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't really want to pray for you, but I knew it was right. One of those dry prayer mornings. Yeah. But God yeah. heard the prayer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Intercession is so important. Well, talk a little bit about how we approach God in prayer for our own needs. First of all, we have to go to prayer in faith, believing that he already knows what we have need of. But when we humble ourselves and ask, because he's a good father, he will answer our prayer. He may not do it when we want or the way we want, but he will answer our prayers. And sometimes the answer is no, (laughs) but it's a fatherly no. It's not like God is like this despot who wants to rule over you and not answer your prayers and not help. He really does want to help. Yeah, I was going to say it, it really is the opposite. In fact, we don't go to God in prayer enough for our needs, I think, because we don't really see the enormity of our need. Right. I look in the Bible and I see that Jesus went to the Father to pray, uh, to get instruction. And I believe he probably asked for his needs to be met so that he can be in a position to meet the needs of others. And yeah. I think that's always wise. I mean, there are times I'm going through trials and I have to think, God, please set me free from this mindset or the struggle because it's hindering me from ministering. It's hindering Mm -hmm. me from being a blessing to people. And I think it's always wise to do that. And then there are other just basically personal things that you go through that you cry out to the Lord for. But I still think they're connected to your being more fruitful in ministry and Mm -hmm. and being a vessel of mercy. And sometimes just to draw us to him because he does allow us to go through things, I think sometimes just for the purpose of drawing us into prayer. Yeah, because it's like when everything is going good for you, you can slip into a rut and not be as earnest in your prayers Mm -hmm. as you need to. But when he allows a trial or a situation or a curveball setback to come, we usually go behind the veil and try to stay as long as we can, you (laughs) know, crying out to God for mercy and to help. But he's there, you know, he's always there and wants to help us. And he wants that intimacy with us. And, of course, one of the things that we try to instill into the lives of these men is how God wants us to spend that time with him. We can get into this kind of formalistic prayer, but you know, it's okay just to sit and talk with God. I recently heard a quote from Pastor Jeff, and he shared it in a service, and he said, as we expose ourselves to God for half an hour, an hour, perhaps two hours a day, his image is imprinted more and more upon us. Mm -hmm. More and more, we absorb the image of his character, his love, his wisdom, his way of dealing with life and people. When we spend time in God's word and prayer, we get more of Jesus, and in the process, we get a little less of us. Mm, That's wonderful. You know, so this spending time with God in prayer is not just for asking, but it's for basking in his presence and, and becoming more like him. Amen. And often enough that we know it's true, men who leave this live-in program, who probably really did get something from the Lord here, if they don't keep up that time with prayer, they get in trouble. Yeah, it's the telltale sign. You get a guy who's having some sort of struggle. You can just cut through all the extra things he wants to share and ask, well, how's your prayer life? Yeah. 
and you rarely hear, oh, I'm meeting with the Lord every day. I'm right. spending, I spend more time than I spent when I was in a program. You usually get a pause and, you know, him and and hawing a little bit. And, well, I haven't had time. I had to go to work, had this and that. And you're like, bro, go back to the basics. Start yeah. out with 15 minutes again and work your way up. Yeah, Spurgeon once said that wherever you lost Jesus, you have to go back there. And right. if you lost him by forsaking prayer, that's exactly where you have to go back, and that's where you'll find him. Right, and Steve Gallagher shared with me when I was an intern, I was going through something, struggling, and he asked me about my prayer time, and I was hemming and hawing. <laughs> well, I haven't been as you know on point as I had been. And he said, well, I'm more concerned about your prayer time than anything else. And he said, Brad... If you ever get off track spiritually in any way, the best way to get back on track is praying for others, Mm, interceding for others, and getting your focus on the Lord. Yeah, and And certainly the best way to get out of ourselves. For sure. (laughs) For sure. Okay, Brad Purgis, thanks so much for talking to us today about prayer. All right, glad to be here, Mike. Corey Ten Boom once asked, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? And this is an important question. Is prayer the tool that we turn to only when we find our lives spinning out of control, or is it the tool that we use to guide our lives down the road? We've heard today that prayer must be a foundation, a constant habit, and a priority in our lives. It is the tool by which we come to know our Lord and Savior and by which we are changed into his image. But when we turn prayer into a get-out-of-jail-free card that we only use when we are in trouble— We are making ourselves vulnerable to temptation by neglecting the one who has incredible power and grace for our lives. I hope that through this episode, you have been encouraged to create a discipline of prayer in your own life so that you might lay hold of the power that is available to you in Jesus Christ. For Pure Life Ministries, I'm Nate Dancer, and we'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.